you to the second day of our seminar, the last day of our seminar on Bhagavatam at a glance, the last six cantos of Srimad Bhagavatam today, starting with canto seven. And in the fifth and sixth cantos, we heard how Krishna was merciful to fallen devotees like Bharat Maharaj, Ajamila, who fell down, and Vitrasara. But now, uh, in this canto, we'll see how Krishna is merciful even to the demons, how he will liberate Hiranyakashipu. And so, but the question at the beginning of this canto is, if the Lord is impartial, how did he take the side of Indra and kill his enemies? If he's equal and helpful to everyone, how is it that he is partial to some? And the truth is, yes, he is partial. And that is a lesson. To some, he's a dear friend, and to others, he is an enemy. But in any case, whether you're a friend or enemy, Krishna helps everyone. Krishna helps everyone. So here we see here in the first section, Hiranyakashipu, here's again the cursing of Jayan Vijay, and Hiranyakashipu, Hiranyaksha has already been killed in third canto, and now Hiranyakashipu in canto seven. Hiranyakashipu is setting fire to church, to uh, temples, and and giving trouble to the people, then he went and performed austerities so he could become eternal. He got some benedictions from Brahma, and because of those benedictions, he conquered the heavenly kingdom and took the throne of Indra. But when his son, Prahlad, became a devotee, he, uh, he uh, became very upset. So Prahlad, he has all the divine qualities, and Hiranyakashipu has all the demonic qualities. And we are somewhere in between, in between Prahlad and Hiranyakashipu. We have some divine, some demoniac. And so we need to study the life of Prahlad Maharaj to see what are the good qualities and how to cultivate them. Now, how did, how did Prahlad become such a pure devotee? Um, actually, it was by the mercy of Narada Muni, who preached to his mother while he was in his mother's womb. Uh, so how to get the mercy, how to get the attraction for Krishna, it is by the mercy of the Lord or by the devotee. That's how you get the mercy. So that is one of the lessons here, is how to, how, how to get the attraction for Krishna. It's by the mercy of a devotee or Lord Krishna himself. So I'll read... Um, here he's teaching his school friends, and that's why he got in trouble, because he's supposed to learn how to declare war and all the demonic things, and instead he was teaching the students how to be devotees. So his father was very upset with that, and he tried to kill him in so many ways, but Lord Vishnu saved him every time. So now here, I'll read chapter 7. Prahlad explains how he learned transcendental knowledge. When Hiranyakashipu left his kingdom to do austerities, the demigods wanted to kill the baby in his wife's womb because they thought he would be a great demon like his father. Narada stopped them and protected the pregnant woman in his ashram and instructed her and Prahlad, who was in the womb. So she got the protection of Narada Muni. The demigods wanted to kill her baby, and she got the benediction the baby would not be born until her husband came back. But then the husband 
himself wanted to, the father himself wanted to kill the baby. But Narayamuni assured her that nobody can kill him. He is a great devotee of the Lord. So here now this section, the third section, is Lord Nishingadev. Nishingadev, chapter 8. When Hiranyakashipu himself threatens to kill Prahlad, Nishinga bursts from a pillar and fights with him. Finally, Nishinga places Hiranyakashipu on his lap and pierces him with his lion-like claws. So, Nishingadev, he will, he will appear, I think, next month. And, and the month of May. And in chapter 9, Prahlad is offering very beautiful prayers to Lord Nishinadev. And something we can learn from the prayers of Prahlad Maharaj that um, Prahlad is face to face with Lord Nishinadev. He's seeing him. And what does he ask the Lord? He doesn't say, Oh Lord, what can I do for you? He says, how can I serve your servant, Narayamuni? Narayamuni saved me. Narayamuni saved me. He picked me up. So the lesson we learn from Prahlad Maharaj here in his prayers is it's better to be a servant of the Lord than to serve the Lord directly. Better to serve the servant. The servant is more merciful. And the Lord will be more pleased if you serve his servant than if you serve him directly. So that is the prayer of Allah Maharaj that let me serve your pure devotee, Narada Muni, who saved me. Now the last part is Varnashram because Prahlad must rule the universe and the, um, the demons are not ready to become devotees so therefore they have to follow Varnashram. It's for the common man to lead him to devotional service. Um, so here we see this is the Brahmachari, and here's Grihasta talking about Grihasta life. I'll read chapter 14. A Grihasta should affectionately treat animals, birds, and bees exactly like his own children. He should distribute whatever he owns to everyone without discrimination. The best process is to distribute prasada. Over here, Grihasta feeding the cows. And this is the Varnashram, of course. We must do it for the pleasure of Krishna. And then it becomes devotional service. Okay, so what lessons did we learn in this Canto 7? Yes? You get more mercy by serving the devotee. More mercy by serving the devotee. Better to be servant of the servant than to be a directly a servant of the Lord. Good. Any other lessons? A devotee cannot be harmed even by his own parent if Krishna wants yeah. to protect Krishna wants to protect devotee, nobody can harm him. Good. Any other lessons we learned from this <coughs> canto? How do we get attraction for Krishna? Serving his pure devotee. And the pure devotee, yes. Or from Krishna, by the mercy of Krishna, or the mercy, or and, and, or, they go together, mercy of the pure devotee. Good. Now we will go to Canto 8. Canto 8 is quite interesting. Yes? On 13, you can get the 
13. Oh yeah, this is a Paramahansa. He's describing Paramahansa. So this, this, this one, Paramahansa, he's, he's practicing to be like a python. Python doesn't go and try to get food anywhere. He just lays down in one place and whatever comes to him, he, he eats. So this Prahlad was questioning the saintly person, I see you're so fat, how come you're, you're so fat but you don't endeavor for your phone? And he says, no, I endeavor, I don't endeavor because we are destined to get what we get. Whatever is coming by destiny, I accept. So, but that is Paramahansa life we cannot imitate. We have to work. We have to work for our food. Yes, that's Paramahansa life. It's the, the mode of a life of a python. Python, yes. And if you want to find out more, then you can read it in Prabhupada's books. <laughs> That's what this is, just to give you idea what is in Prabhupada's books. So, Canto 8, we're going to go up to the heavenly planets now. Up to the heavenly planets. And the, this is part one. So, the first part is Gajendra, the elephant. And the second part is the demigods and the demons. Now, Gajendra is, is uh, in trouble here with his crocodile. And after they're fighting for a thousand years, and he's getting very weak because he's, the crocodile is getting food, his leg. Gajendra is hungry, and he's getting weak. And so he starts offering prayers to the Lord. I was just reading today. Um, in Prabhupada's books, that prayer is, is spontaneous. It's, a, it's a, an activity of spontaneous love for Krishna. When you, and every day if you pray to Krishna, of course we pray the whole morning program, but if you add, add, add your personal prayers during the day, then that helps you to become more attached to Krishna. So these devotees here in Bhagavatam, they're showing us how to pray. So what do we learn from Gajendra? I will read chapter 3, which is Gajendra's prayers. Faced with death, Gajendra remembers a prayer that he chanted in his previous life. He helplessly prays to be free from the material conception of life and to be engaged in the Lord's loving service. Okay, so that is the lesson. If you're going to pray to the Lord, at least pray for going back to home, back to Godhead. Uh, that's a good prayer. Don't worry about staying in this material world forever and preaching. Better you just go back to Godhead and, and save yourself at least. So now the second part here is churning of the ocean of milk. Here we have the demons on one side, the demigods on the other side. And here we have the Lord as Kurma holding up Mount Mandara. We have the Lord as Ajita on top, holding the mountain in place. And we have Vasuki as the churning rod here. And because the, dead, the demons took over the heavenly planets, and so the demigods went to Brahma, and he said, you should make a truce with the demons and churn the ocean and milk. So that demons and demigods both came to pick up Mandara Hill, but they, they couldn't do it. So then Vishnu came and put on the back of 
of Garuda. So here, Lord Shiva, first thing that came out was poison. I took one course with an Ayurvedic doctor, just a short course, a few days. And he was telling us how the, the poison that came out when they turned the ocean and milk, that's the allopathic medicine, that's the Western medicine that we have here in, in our countries in the West. And the, the nectar is the Ayurvedic medicine. That's the nectar, Dhanvanjali. Dhanvanjali is the head of the Ayurvedic medicine, and he brought the nectar, and, and so take your choice. So um, the Dhanvanjali is the Mahavishnu. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's an incarnation of Vishnu, Dhanvantari. He's an incarnation of Vishnu. And he brought the nectar. Uh, but before the nectar came, other things appeared. And one was Lakshmi. She appears in chapter 8. Lakshmi's number is 8. She appears in Canto 8, chapter 8, verse 8. That's Lakshmi's number. Number 8. And so... If you ever need Lakshmi, then eight is the number. Oh, I forgot to tell you again, for those who, have, who are new, this book is, uh, everything's based on this book, and I have only one copy left, so anybody wants it, you can see me after class. So uh, here we are in Canto 8, chapter 8, verse 8. Lakshmi has appeared, and she chooses Vishnu as her husband. Then Dhanvantari appears, and I'll read chapter 9, what happens after Dhanvantari appears with the nectar. When the churning produces nectar, the demon sees it. Just then, Mohini Murti, extraordinary beautiful young lady, appears before them, so incarnation of Vishnu. The demons become captivated by her beauty, and she asks them for their nectar, so they give it to her to distribute. Mohini Murti, who is Vishnu in disguise, then has the demigods and demons sit in different lines before she distributes the nectar. Knowing the demons are unfit to drink it, she cheats them and distributes it all to the demigods. Right. So, then, after that, they have a huge fight again, and Vishnu appears and helps the demigods win. And then Lord Shiva wants to see Mohini Murti, and he is defeated by her. Okay, what lessons did we learn in this Canto A part one? Always offer prayers. Hmm. Always offer prayers, yeah. What did Gajendra pray for? No material attachments. No material attachments, right, right. And go back to the spiritual world. He wanted not only freedom from his material suffering, he wanted complete freedom. Complete freedom, complete liberation. Okay, part two. We have the Manus, 14 Manus in the day of Brahma. Our present Manu is Vaivasukamanu. Now, again, the demons get the, I mean, there's always a problem in the heavenly planets. If Ali Maharaj comes and he takes over the heavenly planets, the mother of the demigods, you know, if anything happens to the kids, the mother gets upset. 
especially if they lose their money. There's Mother Aditi, Mother of the Demigods, worshiping Vishnu, and she gets Vishnu as her son, who appears as Lord Vamanadev. <coughs> Vamanadev goes to Vali Maharaj, who's performing sacrifice. He asks for charity. His guru, Shukacharya, said, don't give, it's Vishnu, he'll take everything from you. And Bali doesn't listen to his guru. And it happens. Vishnu, in two, he's, he asks for three steps of land. In two steps, he takes the whole universe. And because he didn't get his third step, he arrests Bali Maharaj, he chastises him, said, you didn't give me the third step. Where should I put my third step? So I'll read chapter 22. Vali Maharaj replies, O best personality of Godhead, most worshipable for all demigods, if you think my promise has become false, I shall certainly rectify matters to make it truthful. I cannot allow my promise to be false. Please, therefore, place the third lotus footstep on my head. Thus, Vali attained the lotus feet of the Lord, which are difficult even for great mystics to achieve. So lesson from Bali Maharaj, he stands for the truth. Even though he's cheated, he's unfairly chastised, he's cursed, he's insulted, he's arrested, uh, he doesn't go away from the truth. So that's the lesson we should learn. Always stay with the truth. Always do the right thing. Always do the truth. Follow the truth. Speak the truth. And uh, he became a Mahajan. He became a great one of the twelve Mahajans in, in the universe. And so this is uh, this is the lesson we learn here. Now at the last section, Matsyarupa, the form of a fish. It was his appearance day on April eighth. We don't. It's not a very famous incarnation, but he he did appear recently on April eighth. And uh, the story goes that the king found. King Satyavat found a very small fish and he was going to throw it back in the water. And the fish said, don't throw me in the water, some big fish will eat me. He said, okay, okay. He took it home, put it in a little bowl, but he grew so big he, and he put it into uh, a well. He grew too big. He put it into a lake. He, he grew too big for the lake. And finally he threw him into the ocean. He says, you are not an ordinary fish. He understood. Supreme Personality of Godhead. And the fish told him, seven days from today, the whole world will be flooded, and I will send a boat for you. And you take Vasuki and tie Vasuki to, my, to your boat and to my horn, and I will guide you in the ocean of devastation. So here's that picture of Matsya taking the boat and Satyavrat. And he took uh, trees and plants and rush and animals and people on the boat so they would be preserved for the next uh, era. Like Noah's Ark? Hmm? Like Noah's Ark? Yeah, like Noah's Ark. Yeah. That's where they got Noah's Ark from. Because the babies came first. So some things, we, we had a question about the Bible the other night. And the answer was that, you know, the original, the oldest scriptures are the Vedas. So a lot of stories, a lot of many things can be found in other scriptures of the world 
are taken originally from the Vedas, many of the, the things we find. Okay, so what lesson did we learn here in this canto, in this picture? Always speak the truth. Yes. And you will become a Mahajan. Surrender everything to the Lord. Surrender everything to Krishna, yes. Give everything. And what happened? Um, uh, Dev became Bali Maharaja's doormat to protect him. And one time Ravana came. Ravana came to conquer Bali Maharaja's kingdom. And Dev kicked him out, away from the door. He protected Bali Maharaja. So, yeah. When you present the devotees, Krishna reciprocates. When? When you present the devotees, Krishna When you pray for the devotees, Krishna reciprocates. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We go to Canto 9. Now we're going to hear about Lord Ram, Sitaram, Hanuman, Lakshman. He appeared in the Surya Vamsha. Suryavansha means the dynasty of the sun, the sun dynasty. There are two dynasties in this universe, the sun and the moon. So ninth canto, the first, first half of ninth canto is about the sun dynasty, and the second half of ninth canto is about the moon dynasty. Now, one very interesting thing you may not know so Manu, Manu is, is the son of, of Surya, or the sun god, and Manu. And Manu is the father of mankind. And so the dynasty of Manu, the first child in that dynasty was transgender, actually. You knew that? You've read Ninth Canto, huh? Okay. <laughs> Very good. Not a surprise. I'll read chapter one. Sujumna, the son of Ivasatamanu, is born as a girl and then transformed into a boy by the prayers of Ashishta. He's later changed into a girl again when he enters the valley of Lord Shiva. Finally, by Shiva's grace, he's allowed for the rest of his life to alternate between being a man one month and a woman the next. So, yeah, very difficult life. <laughs> Impossible to concentrate. But as a woman, he became mother of the Moon Dynasty. He married to Buddha, son of the... She married. She married Buddha, who is the son of the Moon, Moon God. So she was the mother of the Moon Dynasty, actually. She didn't... Uh, he, he didn't do anything for the Sun Dynasty. It, uh, Manu had ten sons after that, and they became the, the fathers of the Sun Dynasty. Ikshvaku was the first one and the main one. And he's mentioned in Bhagavad Gita. So here we have different... Uh, one of the kings had a daughter named Sukanya, and she married to Chairanamuni. She, he was meditating in an anthill, and she pierced his eyes, and then he got upset. And the king was worried about being cursed. He said, oh, what can we do? Please forgive us. He said, is your daughter married? He said, no, you can have her. You can marry her. Old, old, old man, maybe 100, over 100 years old. 
and she's like, you know, maybe 16 or 17. Uh, but they got married. But then by his yogic powers, he, he changed himself into a young man. So he was happy. So then now, the, the main story here is about Ambarish Maharaj. Now, he was observing Ekadashi when Durvasa Muni came to visit. And Durvasa was hungry. So he said, okay, take your bath and come back. But while he was taking his bath, it was time to break Ekadashi. And, and Ambarish was worried because he knew if he would break Ekadashi, if he would eat before Durvasa, then Durvasa would get upset. And sure enough, he didn't eat, he just drank some water. But that was enough to make Durvasa create a demon to kill Ambarish. But Ambarish was under the protection of Lord Krishna. The Surishan Chakra came immediately, killed the demon, and chased Durvasa all over the universe. He went to Brahma, Shiva, even Vishnu, nobody could protect him. He had to come and fall at the feet of Ambarish Maharaj, who offered prayers to the Surishan Chakra. Uh, so that Durvasa Muni was saved. So this is the power of devotee. A devotee is greater than the greatest mystic yogi. This yogi could travel all over the universe and even to Vaikuntha. But still, he could not protect himself from Vaishnav Aparad. So don't offend devotee, lesson number one. Don't offend the devotee. And lesson number two, depend on the Lord for protection. I'll read chapter five. Even Lord Vishnu cannot protect Durvasa Muni from the scorching heat of the Sudarshan disk. So Durvasa returns to Maharaj Ambarish and falls at his feet. Maharaj Ambarish, being naturally meek and humble, feels shy and ashamed to see Durvasa Muni at his feet. He offers prayers to the chakra to save Durvasa. So two lessons here from this. Um, beware offending the devotee, don't offend the devotee. And secondly, depend on the Lord for protection. So then now we go to the second part, which uh, mainly is about Lord Ramchandra's appearance. Before that, we hear about Vishwam. Oh, Salbari Muni, who's meditating at the bottom of the Jamuna River. But then he, he sees uh, some fish having sex life, he gets agitated, and he goes out and gets married, and this is considered a fall down for him. Not only does he marry one wife, but 50 wives, the daughters of King Mandaka. And here we have uh, chapter 8. King Sagara's grandson, Amshuman, is trying to get some help to release his ancestors who were burned to death. And Bhagirath is the one who brings the Ganga down to cover the dust of the ancestors and liberate them from their fallen condition. Now Lord Rama appears in chapter 9. Chapter 10, sorry, chapter 10. So in his kingdom there was no bodily and mental suffering, no disease, no old age, no lamentation, distress, fear, even no death. Here he is with the monkeys building 
the bridge to Lanka. And there he is ruling the kingdom with Sita. So two lessons we learn from Lord Ram. Um, first of all, if you become his devotee, you can live happily in this world. I'll read chapter 11. Lord Ramachandra accepts the throne of the state. He cares for the citizens exactly like a father. And the citizens, being fully engaged in their duties of Rana and Ashan, accept him just like their father. So there was no heat or cold. There was no, no excess, extreme cold or extreme heat or drought or famine. Everybody was, was happy. There, everybody was eating. Everyone had enough, was happy with the necessities of life. So he showed also by his life, virtue must conquer over vice. And second lesson, that he showed the example of a perfect king that you should do the right thing. Do the right thing. You should follow dharma, you should follow religion. Okay, so what other lessons did we learn in this part one of Canto 9? Don't offend devotees. Depend on the Lord for protection. And depend on the Lord for protection. Good. And from Lord Ram? Yes? We follow the follow Lord Ram and become happy. Yes, if we follow Lord Ram, we'll become happy. Everybody wants to be happy in this world. Okay? Any other lessons from Lord Ram? Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Mm-hmm. The right thing. Okay. Now we go to Canto 9, Part 2. This is Pururavan Urvashi. This is Parshuram. Here he's killing all the kings. 21 times. And here, this is the Moon Dynasty, Somavamsha. And Krishna appears. In this dynasty, also comes in this dynasty. Here is Yayati, who um, made his wife Devyana angry and his her father's cursing him to become old, even though he's a young man. So he trades his old age for the youth of his youngest son, Puru, and Puru gets the kingdom. Here is Shakuntala and Dushmanta, King Rantidev, who was fasting and, and he wanted to break his fast and then people kept coming to beg food from him and he kept giving all his food until finally he had nothing. He was about ready to die. But then the demigods came and said, it was we who were testing you. Here's the five Pandavas and Krishna. Krishna appears here in the Soma, the Moon Dynasty. So after scrutinizingly accept, uh, studying, studying the first nine cantos, then uh, you can become God-realized. And then you can go to 10th canto. So here we have a big, one of the big posters of this book, which is inside your book. Yeah. Uh, Braja. Brajalila poster. Looks like this.
And so here we have the, there's four circles. Birth of Krishna, that's his birth, it goes around here. Komara Lila, that's with his mother, Ashoda. Hogan Lila is with his coward boyfriends. And Kaisha Lila is with the gopis. So here, um, here we see there's a uh, chapter six of Putana. Putana. We learn a lesson from Putana. Uh, Putana Lila. Krishna, he's just a small baby. He can't even walk yet. But he kills a demon. And this proves that he is God. He's God from birth. You don't become God by meditation. You cannot become, nobody can become God. But God is God, right from his very birth. He killed the demon Putana. So that's the first lesson we learn here. And here he goes, Srinavarta. Yashoda Damodar Lila. I'll read chapter nine. Again and again, Yashoda tries to bind Nadi Krishna, and again and again, the additional rope she gathers proved too short by two fingers. She becomes so fatigued that Krishna relents and allows himself to be bound by her pure devotion. So lesson we learned from Yashoda, the rope was two fingers too short every time, and the two fingers, what they signify is you must you can attain Krishna by his mercy and by your endeavor, but both must be there, mercy and endeavor. You're, you endeavor, and when he sees that you are trying sincerely to please him, then he will give you his mercy. So that's another lesson we learn here in this Rajalila. So then we go to here, Brahma, Komara Lila, Brahma has uh, stolen the coward boys and calves, Krishna appears uh, as Vishnu forms. All the coward boys and calves have become Vishnu forms. And he's glancing at Lord Brahma. Inside the glance, when the Lord glances at you, if you look at the deities and you see the glance of the Lord, then that will create desires in in you for devotional service. It's like mode spiritual passion. You will get desires for devotional service if the Lord glances at you. And the smile protects those desires. So that's the lesson we learned from this Kumarila, Brahma stealing the cats and cowboy boys. We learned the power of the Lord's glance and the power of his smile. Um, so now, We'll go chapter 25 here. Now, Pogon Lila, he's with his coward boyfriends, Kaliya Lila, Jayukashura, putting out the forest fire, Palambasura, another forest fire, autumn time, Venugid, <coughs> taking the clothes of the gopis. And here he's lifting Govardhan Hill. So I'll read that chapter 25.
Angered, Indra tries to destroy Vrindavan with rainstorms. With one hand, Krishna picks up Govardhan Hill, which is touching clouds, and holds it up as easily as a child holds up a mushroom. The Govardhan Hill. And another, now we go to the last circle, Kaishwara Leela. We'll go to chapter 32, which is up here. And I'll read that. And there is a lesson that we will learn in this circle. Sri Krishna appears in the midst of the gopis who have become extremely disturbed by separation from him. After he consoles them, they express to him their deep feelings of ecstasy. One gopi grasps his hands, another places his arm upon his shoulder, another accepts the remnants of the beetle nuts he has chewed because they serve him. So this is the Kaishwara uh, Krishna with the gopis. So the lesson we learned from here is that um, there is no material tinge when Krishna enjoys. Um, it is jai. Uh, we should not criticize the Supreme Controller. Sometimes people criticize Krishna. Why did he enjoy with others' wives? Uh, but actually Krishna is the husband of all women. He's in everyone's heart and everyone belongs to him, and we are all property. We all belong to Krishna. So we should not criticize Krishna. Good. So we learned many lessons in this part of 10th Canto. What lessons have we learned here so far? Don't criticize Krishna. Don't criticize Krishna. Yeah? Krishna is God from birth. He's God from birth. He didn't have to meditate to become God. Any other lessons from this? Um, Krishna's glance. Yeah, his glance draws, creates. Draws, yeah, draws you to devotional service. Desires for devotional service. Yeah. And his smile, his smile protects. protects. It's like Moses' goodness protecting. Good. Any other lessons? Yeah, he killed Putin and proves he's God. Good. He's God from birth. Okay. One more lesson. Oh. Endeavor. And depend on his mercy. Two things are required. Endeavor and mercy. Very good. Okay, we're going to go to Mathura and Dwarfalila. Mathura Lila and Dwarfalila. That's the next picture. Um, so, in Mathura, Krishna pleases his devotees here. He's coming. He pleases the florist, Sudan. He breaks the bow, kills Kuk. The elephant kills Kamsa, goes to Gurukul. So, he even... Even God has a guru. Even Krishna has a guru. So nobody can say they don't need guru. Everybody needs a guru. Um, so here are 46 now. In 47, he's going, he's sending Uddhava to Vrindavan. <coughs> so with a message. Reading Lord Krishna's message, this is chapter 47. Uddhava tells the gopis, 
I am the supreme soul and supreme shelter of all. I am indeed most dear to you, gopis, but to increase your attraction for me and intensify your remembrance of me, I left you. After all, when a woman's beloved is far away, she fixes her mind upon him constantly. By incessantly remembering me, you are sure to attain my association without delay. So this is the chapter 47. The lesson here is if you want to feel solace from separation of Krishna, then read Srimad Bhagavatam. That's the message of Krishna. Read Bhagavad Gita, read Srimad Bhagavatam, and you will, you will feel solace in your heart. If you're feeling separation from Krishna, from the spiritual world. So Dwaraka, now Krishna goes to Dwaraka, he kidnaps Rukmini, marries her, marries Jambavati, marries so many wives, 16,108 wives. And then he saves a lizard from a well. Balaram goes back to Vrindavan and visits and has Raslila there. Here's the killing of Vidvita Gorilla. And finally, in chapter 69, I will read what happens there. Lord Krishna notices Narada visiting his palace. Immediately, Krishna offers obeisances to the sage and seats him on his own seat. Then the Lord bathes Narada's feet and sprinkles the bath water on his own head. So, very interesting thing. When Narada Muni, he visited 16,108 palaces, all within a few minutes, very quickly. What did he find when he went into each palace? The first palace, Krishna was sitting on his bed, being fan. Second palace, he was having breakfast. Third palace, he was having lunch. Fourth palace, he was having dinner. Fifth palace, he was going to sleep at night. So there was a different time zone in 16,108 palaces, 16,108 time zones. He was doing a different thing of different time of the day in each palace. So this was bewildering. Yeah, you can't get it in your brain. We only have, what, 24 time zones? Well, imagine 16,108 time zones. <laughs> in one city? Yeah, in one, in one city, in Dorica. And he was, he was doing something different time of the day in different time zones. So that is our Krishna. So what we can learn is that time is ever present in the spiritual world. It's always present. You know, there's never past or future in the spiritual world. Some things, usually things don't, the same things don't happen again and again. Radharani never cooks the same things again and again because she, and she's been doing it eternally. And the power boys don't play the same games again and again. They play different ones, or there's variations. Everything is new and fresh in the spiritual world. Okay, what's another lesson we learn in this section? Even Krishna has a guru. Even Krishna has a guru, right. So we should have guru. Everyone needs guru. Everyone needs guru, right. Any other lessons in this? If we read Bhagavatam, we won't feel separation from Krishna. Other lessons? 
Okay, there was. Let me see what else. Oh yeah, time is ever present. Time is always present. It's not no past and future in the spiritual world. Okay, the end of Canto 10. Dwartha and beyond. So here Krishna remembers his Gurukuli friend from Gurukul Sudama. Sudama came to visit Krishna, he was very poor. And Krishna washed his feet and puts the water on his head. And he fans him. Here he is going to sleep and Krishna is fanning him. Just imagine. So what a good friend is Krishna. We should be friends with Krishna. He would be our best friend. He will know how to take care of us. And he gave Sudama a palace too, over here in chapter 81. He didn't even ask anything, but Krishna knew what he needed. So, um, and, and the, the main, what we learn from Sudama actually is that Krishna only wants our love. Sudama came with something, some old chipped rice that wasn't even offerable. Here, it, you could not give it to Rukmini Dwarkarish. If someone brought this old chipped rice, you would just throw it. It's not one of the things on the list to offer here, to bring to Krishna. You would throw it away. But because Sudama had so much love for Krishna, Krishna um, took it forcibly from him. And Rukmini was trying to stop, Rukmini here was trying to stop Krishna from, he wanted more and he said, don't take more, don't take more. Because then I will have to become a servant in his house. Because, so Krishna only wants our love. It's not the thing that he's after. He wants our devotion. He wants our devotion. So that's the first lesson here. At the end, he takes Arjuna on a trip beyond the material world. They go to Mahavishnu Loka to rescue the nine children of the Brahmana. They go to Mahavishnu Loka. And then he saves Lord Shiva from Vikasura. So this is the end. The end, it ends in sweetness, pastimes with his wives in the last chapter. So at the end, in, in the last chapter, Srila Prabhupada gives five lessons that we learn from Krishna Lila. Yeah. Five lessons. So I'll tell you those five lessons. First of all, Krishna's fame was greater than that of the Ganga River, of course, and he made the other dynasty famous also, more famous than the Ganga. Number two, Krishna gives liberation not only to his devotees, but to the demons. Number three, Lakshmi could not join Krishna's pastimes in the Raslila, although she wanted to. Number four, the name Krishna is superior to the name Narayana and to all of the other names of Krishna's expansions. And number five, Krishna reinstated the dharma, the bull of religion, on his four legs of compassion, austerity, cleanliness, and truth. And he also established Govardhan Puja. Okay, so anybody remember the lessons from this last part of 10th canto? 
We want to be Krishna's friend. Good to be Krishna's friend. We want to be Krishna's friend. He'll take care of you very nicely. Krishna wants our love. Krishna wants our love. And devotion. And devotion, yeah. He wants our love. That's all he wants from us. Just wants our love. Any of those five lessons? Does anybody remember one of those five lessons from the end? It's more famous in the Yadu dynasty. Is more famous than the, the Ganga. Yeah, Yadu dynasty became famous because Krishna appeared there. Any other lessons? Yeah. He came to establish dharma. He came. He established dharma. Yes, the bowl of religion. Good. Name of Krishna is more powerful than any other name of any other incarnation. Yes. He gave liberation to the demons as well as the devotees. And there was one more left. Nope. Did he say something about justice? No. Lakshmi. Lakshmi could not join the Rasa Leela. You know, <laughs> she's sitting on the other side of the Jumun in a temple, and she's not giving benediction, but she's praying for mercy. She's sitting in the and begging mercy from the devotees. In in the month of January, the devotees come to Lakshmi and, and give her kitri, because she's doing austerities. She's been doing them for millions of years, trying to get to Krishna's pastimes, but so far hasn't succeeded. So she begs the bridge bossies to give her their blessings so she can go on the other side. <laughs> you can visit her temple. You go to Vrindavan. Jai Lakshmi Devi. Okay, um, let's go to Canto 11. Lord Chaitanya here, Uddhava Gita, 24 Gurus will be the first three chapters, and then Bhakti here. How many of you have read the Uddhava Gita? One. Okay. Two. Very good. Very good. So it's, it's an extension of the Bhagavad Gita, but there's much more in it. Much more. So we'll find out soon what's in it. But the first part is about Lord Chaitanya. I'll read chapter... About the nine Yogendras. In answer to four questions asked by Nimi, the Yogendras describe the nature and activities of the illusory potency Maya, the method of becoming free from her grip, the transcendental situation of Lord Narayan and Karma Yoga. So, chapter five. In Kali Yuga, the Lord appears in a golden color accompanied by associates who are his primary and secondary limbs and his weapons. He is absorbed in Krishna Kirtan and is worshipped by Sankirtan Yogya. So here we have chapter 5, Panchatattva has appeared in Kali Yuga. Yes, so we are very fortunate to be in the time of the appearance of Lord Chaitanya. And the lesson is worship Lord Chaitanya. Worship Lord Chaitanya, Gornitai. So we are worshiping. We are worshiping Gornitai. We are very fortunate to have Gornitai with us. 
and we are able to worship them, have their darshan. So as Krishna is about to leave the earth, Uddhava comes and says, take me with you, take me. And the Lord says, no, I want you to go and give a message to the sages in Padarikasham. Um, so first teaching of Uddhava Gita is the 24 gurus. So we see everything in this world, but we should not see them as our sense objects. This is the lesson we learn. We should see the objects of this world as our shiksha gurus and not as sense objects. We should, we, this is, we're in the school of life and we're meant to learn things while we're here. And the best way to learn is from the things that we see around us. We can learn lessons. So the first three chapters here tells us about 24 gurus and what lessons we can learn from them. So I'll just read chapter 7. To pacify Uddhava, Lord Krishna describes an ancient conversation between a Brahmana Avaduta and King Yadu. The Avaduta received instructions from 24 gurus. From the mountain and tree, he learned how to serve others and how to dedicate one's whole life to others' benefit. From the sun, he learned how to avoid entanglement while in contact with sense objects. From fire, he learned how to devour things without becoming dirty and how to destroy all inauspicious desires of those who make offerings to him. From the pigeon, he learned excessive affection and attachment are not good. And from the water, he learned how to be naturally clear and purifying by speech. By your speech, you can speak clearly and purifying, and it sounds just like flowing rivers, flowing water. So this, and here in chapter 8, we see the the five objects, the five knowledge-acquiring senses, the eyes, the moth is attracted to the fire, don't be distracted by the things of this world. The tongue is after the things of this world. The fish dies because of going after the bait. The deer is after mundane sound, so don't listen to mundane music. The elephant is after touch, and the bee is after the honey of the flowers, but he's being bitten by other bees in the beehive. And also he's attracted by smell, sense of smell. And he goes inside the lotus, it closes at night and he's finished. So these are different lessons. 24 gurus, change of body in chapter 10, two words in one tree, the soul and super soul, chapter 11. I'll read chapter 12. The young women of Vrindavan felt such deep attachment to Krishna that their minds overflowed with ecstasy in his company, and they perceived an entire night spent with him as just a fraction of a second. When Akura took Krishna and Baladev to Mathura, however, the gopis thought of each night without him as equal in duration to a millennium of the demigods. So here we have the highest love of Godhead right in Uddhava Gita, the love of the gopis. Okay, so what lesson did you learn from this, can this canto, part one, eleven? The prophecy of Lord Chaitanya. Prophecy of Lord Chaitanya is here, yeah. Here, and again in, in canto 12. Starts in canto 11. Mm -hmm. So we should worship Lord Chaitanya. Mm -hmm. 
And what else do you learn? 24 gurus. 24 gurus. Yes, what do we learn from them? How to not see them as... Not to see as sense objects, but as our shiksha gurus. <clears throat> we can learn from each of these. The tree, the sun, the mountain, the fire, the pigeon, the water. We can learn from them. And save ourselves trouble. Jai 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 Okay, we go to part two. Shtanga Yoga and Varnashram is here in the first part. Chapter 15. If you want some mystic powers, chapter 15 tells you how to get them. There's 18 mystic, main mystic powers. Eight major ones, ten minor ones, and three not so great ones, or five, five not so great ones. So this uh, 15th chapter tells you how to get each and every mystic power, if you want it. But at the end it says, if, if you're engaged in devotional service, these are all impediments. These are obstacles. So don't go for them. So that's one lesson we learned from here. 16 is the Vibhuti Yoga, like chapter 10 of Bhagavad Gita. 17 is about Brahmachari Grihastha. 18 is about Vanaprastha Sanyas. Then here we have yoga processes. I'll read chapter 20. The human body is like a boat. Gurudev is the helmsman. Lord's mercy is a favorable breeze. If a person who has attained such a rare boat does not desire to cross the ocean of material existence, he is a killer of the soul. So here we have the boat of the human body, very rarely achieved. We should use it to go back to God. That's a lesson. That's a good lesson. And here, change of body. And here is renunciation with Samadhi of Brahmana. And here we have creation, and here we have the modes of nature, food in the modes, goodness, passion, and ignorance. Then the last part, Vairagya, renunciation, and jnana, and mukti, liberation, bhakti, sorry, bhakti, yeah. bhakti. So, we learn here deity worship in chapter 27, creation, chapter 28, 29. Now there's a very special verse here. Um, the Krishna says, the devotee is the most clever of everyone. Why is the devotee most clever of all people? Because he takes the material things and he uses material things to get spiritual attainment. So the whole Uddhava Gita is telling the difference between material and spiritual, the temporary and the eternal. So he uses, the devotee uses the temporary to achieve the eternal. So that's the lesson we learn here. So Krishna says that he, so the devotee says, uh, the devotee takes this useless body, he trades it in for Krishna. He gives this body, which is useless, it's full of disease, old age, whatever, temporary, 
and he trades it in for Krishna and he gets Krishna. That's a good deal. So we should trade in our bodies for Krishna. We should, how do we do that? By using our tongue to chant Hare Krishna, using our mind to think of Krishna, our eyes to see the beautiful forms of the Lord. So that's how, how we, we do that. And the last part here is disappearance of the Yadus and Krishna. And here the hunter, we see the hunter here who is offering obeisances to the lotus feet of Krishna. And the hunter will go back to Godhead by the mercy of Krishna. And here's Krishna leaving the material world. Okay, what lessons did we learn from this second part of Canto 11? We should use our bodies to be Hmm? We should use our body. We should use our body. Right. Trade it in for Krishna. Good. Mystic yoga process is an impediment. Mystic yoga process is an impediment for devotional service. If you want to do devotional service to Krishna, that will be an obstacle if you get mystic powers. It will not help. Don't think it will help you. You may think, well, if I know the future. If you know the future, you'll be stressed out. It won't help you unless you're a pure devotee and everything you accept is Krishna's mercy. Good. Any other lessons from here? Okay, we go to Canto 12, the last canto. There's three incarnations here in <coughs> Canto 12. Lord Chaitanya, the holy name, Hare Krishna Mahamantra, and Srimad Bhagavatam. Three incarnations for this age of Kali. So first part, Kali Yuga, we hear about the dynasties of the Dimania kings of, of Kali Yuga. Ocean, ocean of faults, very difficult time. I'll read chapter three. Kali Yuga is an ocean of faults, but it possesses one great quality, simply by chanting the name of Krishna. One can be delivered for material association and attain the absolute truth. That's the lesson. The chanting Hare Krishna can get you over the ocean of Kali. Annihilation of the theme of Canto 12 is, is uh, annihilation. Here we see in, in chapter four, Lord Shiva. There are four types of annihilation. During one of these, Lord Shiva dances his Tandavanita, dance of dissolution, and the universe fills with fire. Later, the planets are inundated. So, what are the four kinds of annihilation? First of all, there's the um, temporary, uh, um, occasional annihilation, which is after the day of Brahma, after 4,300,000,000 years, there is an annihilation at the end of the day of Brahma. Then there's a, a big annihilation, prakita, it's called, uh, of nice annihilation of the whole universe at the end of the life of Brahma. So that's two. And then the third one is constant. It's going on right now in our bodies and all around us that cells are being destroyed, even now. As we are living in this body, there is an annihilation going on. We cannot see it, but it's happening. Um, every second, every second our cells are dying. Some cells are dying. So that's called a constant annihilation. And then the last one is final annihilation. And that's the best. 
And what's the final annihilation? When we go back to Godhead. It means no more annihilation. Final annihilation. Back to home, back to Godhead. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay, good. So four types. I'm going to read chapter five. Shukadev's final instructions to Pariksit before he gets bitten by the snake bird. Considering Pariksit's impending death by the bite of the snake bird Takshaka, Shukadev gives him some final instructions. He explains the idea, I will die, is the mentality of animals because the soul does not undergo the phases of previous non-existence, birth, existence, and death. When the body's subtle mental covering is destroyed by transcendental knowledge, the soul within the body again exhibits his original identity. So no death for the soul, his final instruction. And there he does leave his body. And then we have another section, Markandeya, Markandeya Rishi here. Uh, so he was worshipping Narayana Rishi, got their darshan. And what kind of, what is a really silly benediction he asked. He said, well, anything you like. He says, I would like to see Maya. Can you believe it? What a thing to ask. And, and, he, and he's really sorry he did ask that because then he gets to see the annihilation. That's why it's in this uh, category of annihilation. He, he lives through annihilation, which is of, of the night of Brahma, uh, which is 4,300,000,000 years, can you imagine, in the ocean, struggling, sometimes drowning, but you don't drown because you're going to live. You have the benediction to live. But he comes to a place where he sees little baby Krishna sucking on his toe. And that place is in Nabhadi, Gojuma. That's where Markandeya got the vision of Lord Krishna. Because Mayapur never is destroyed. It's always there. Nabhadri. So he gets that vision of Lord Krishna. So the lesson is don't ask to see Maya. Don't, don't ask to see Maya. That's the lesson we learn here. Um, so, now we go to the last section, glorifying Bhagavatam. And the last chapter tells us how to study Bhagavatam. There's a verse 12, 13, 18. It says, first of all, we should hear Shinvan, we should chant Supatan or read, study, hear, chant or study, Vicharanapro, then we should consider, we should think how we should introspect, we should reflect on the knowledge and think, how can I apply this to my life? How can, what can I learn from this? How can I apply this to my life? And all of this should be done with bhakti, bhaktiya. And the last verse of Srimad Bhagavatam connects us to Chaitanya Charitamrita. And what is it? So Bhagavatam ends where Chaitanya Chaitamrita begins. The last verse, Nama Sankirtanam Yasya Sarva Papa Pranashanam. Pranama Dukha Shamanas Tam Namami Harim Param. I offer my respectful obeisance unto Lord Hari, congregational chanting of whose holy names destroys all sinful reactions, offering obeisance unto whom relieves all material suffering. So, lesson here, that chanting the holy name 
is the essence of Bhagavatam and connection to Chaitanya Chaitamrita. Okay, so what lessons did we learn from this chapter, Canto 12? Don't ask for Maya. Don't ask to see Maya. Chanting Hare Krishna can get you over the ocean of karma. Yeah, chanting Hare Krishna gets you over the ocean of material existence. Here we are in the boat of Iskong, right here. Don't jump off the boat. Any other lessons? Does anybody remember one of the annihilations? After a day of Brahma. After a day of Brahma, okay. Constant annihilation. After? Constant annihilation. Constant. Constant annihilation. Final. Final, yay. <laughs> back to home, back to Godhead. That's final. That is what we want as, as devotees. Okay. So, any questions? Or, yeah. Gajendra. I can't hear you. What did you say? I would like to know how come in Gajendra Maharaj, or we don't serve, in Gajendra Maharaj, took a birth as an elephant. Yeah. Why did he take, why did Indra Maharaj take a birth as an elephant? Yeah, well, um, un, he did unknowing Vaishnava Bharat. He was cursed. Yeah, one, one sage came to visit him and he didn't speak to him. He didn't offer welcome or anything. So the sage said, you're dumb like an elephant, become an elephant. He got cursed. You got to be careful. Even unknowing Vaishnava Parad is very difficult, uh, very bad. These Puranas, can you tell us Puranas and seven? Yeah, it's... It describes here the 18 Puranas, where, yeah, here. The 18 Puranas, the, all the, how many verses in each Purana, that's described in this chapter here. They're all listed. All the Puranas are listed, and how many verses in each of the Puranas is listed. Okay, any other questions? And then the first canto, you see Krishna disappears. Yes, yes. Again, repeats. Again, yes, it repeats, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we get the summary in the first canto. We get, Prabhupada said everything's in the first canto. And in the first chapter and in the first verse. <laughs> right. Okay, any other questions? Jaya, glory to, oh yes, okay. Well, yesterday, Lower, lower planetary systems. Right, and, and they're heavenly, even though they're... Yeah, they're heavenly. They're inhabited by Asuras? Yeah, the demons go there. Okay, and then sometimes I, I've heard that the Prophet disciples told me that Prophet once said that um, <laughs> technology comes from those places. Yeah, I, I have heard that, yes. Technology comes from the lower planets. So, we take so much advantage from technology and we glorify it so much and we're always... Yeah, but we see what's happening to our youth now. Mm -hmm. that they're, they're having psychological problems because of their addiction. Yeah. They can't concentrate in school. 
You know, my son went to one community college and everyone was just texting the whole time. They weren't listening to the teacher. Yeah, right, right. And it's an addiction. Yeah, well, it takes time to, to get off of it. Yeah, it was happening in our retreats, and Maharaj was saying, if, if, your cell, if your phone goes off during the class, then you have to give sweets to everyone. <laughs> and so, yeah, and, and we'd have to do that. They would have to pay a fine of sweets. <laughs> Yes. Uh, just in connection to that, there was a devotee of Prabhupada who was like smoking cigarettes. Oh yeah, right, Shamsundar. Yeah, and he like placed one on. He put the pack on Shukhan, <clears throat> put the whole pack. But Prabhupada said, yeah. you know, just smoke one less. One less every day. And slowly the addiction will. Yeah, so we have to think how to get relieve the addiction of cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not just the email, it's the messages, it's Facebook, it's so many. Yeah, it's so many. Yeah, it's, it's not just, it's not so simple anymore. It's quite, very complicated and very, it, it, it makes a little sound here, I am, you know, yeah. It's calling you. Your cell phone is calling you. Before, you know, we just, we, we had a phone in our house and that was it. And, you know, it, it didn't get messages or anything. But now it's wherever you, you, wherever you go, you, you have it. You have it. It's like, okay, any other? Questions. Um, yeah. See, Krishna has different ages for Kalamadita. Mm. I was like wondering if, um, uh, what is the actual age of Krishna? Oh, the age of Krishna. Yeah, it's and described in, um, in, yeah, in, in the commentaries of the Acharyas. <laughs> uh, Sixteen is his youthful age. Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. That's when he performs the Rasa and Yeah, in the, in the spiritual world, he's 16. Oh. In the spiritual world. In, in this, when he comes here, then he performs Raslila at the age of eight. I mean, that's his, but physically he's older than his, his years. Physically he's older. It's not exactly the, yeah. Okay, any other questions? Jaya, glories to Prabhupada, Hare Krishna. If anybody wants a book, this whole, all these pictures are from the book. Um, I've got one here. You can see me up to class.